Have you been searching for a word from the Lord? You want to feel his presence. You want to feel his love. Well, look no further, cause no matter who you are, you're all welcome here at Rising transition from our singing and our worship and get into the word as we put up the text Jesus said if you love me keep my commandments in other words you love me do what I say how many know talk is cheap <laughs> anybody ever heard the expression put your money where your mouth is well we gonna talk about that today amen amen Needless to say, we're going to talk about money, and we're not going to kill the spirit because we're God's people. We're going to get excited about the harvest that's going to come our way because we've been obedient to God. All right, let's read together from Malachi, the third chapter, verses 8 through 12 for our message today. Malachi, the eighth, uh, third chapter, verses 8 through 12 for our message today. Can I read it with, with you, would please? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be the delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. What's your use for a subject? If you want to be blessed, put God to the test. If you want to be blessed, put God to the test. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for another day's journey. We thank you for life, health, and strength. God, we thank you for allowing us to be able to come and together in your house. So did God in your name today. Lord, we thank you for those who have tuned in via live stream to be a part of this worship service as well. We pray that you will touch them right where they are as well, oh dear God. Let them feel the presence and power of your Holy Spirit like we can feel the presence and power of your Holy Spirit right now in this place, oh dear God. God, we thank you for your word, oh dear God, and we just pray, Lord, that you will be with us, that you illuminate your word, oh God, and enlighten our mind and hearts, oh dear God, that we might be receptive to your word, oh dear God. And God, we thank you, oh dear God, for our desire and songs we've heard. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you for the scriptures that have been read. 
Now, Lord, as we come to your preach word, pray that you let your man serve it down deep into the storehouse of your wisdom, your knowledge, and your power. And amen to God that I might be able to bring a word to these, your people. Lord, I pray that I would decrease. I pray that you might increase. Have your way and I miss, oh dear God. And Lord, we'll be careful to give your name all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. For this is your servant's prayer in the marvelous, matchless, majestic name of Jesus, our Messiah. And all the people, God, said amen. 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 God, in three persons. One more time, God, in three persons. All right. If you want to be blessed, put God to the test. I remember y'all remember growing up and in the church when it was offering time. And people get up and start talking about money and giving the offering stuff. And all of a sudden, somebody say, the service was going great until so-and-so got up and started talking about money. And what did they do? They killed the spirit. Anybody remember, <laughs> anybody remember hearing that? Well, what they did, they killed the spirit of selfishness. That's, that's what it'll do. <clears throat> How many of you know that giving is part of worship? In fact, when I was growing up, they would take up the offering at the end of the service. Now, they had benevolent offering during the service, but the real offering, tithes and offering, was taken after the sermon at the end of the service. But uh, preachers and pastors, they got smart down through the years because a lot of people, amen, around about the exit, you know, when the, when the, when the pastor said, I'm getting ready to close now, <laughs> I'm getting ready to bring it home, a lot of people made their exit right before the offering time. And so they put offering before the message. Because there are some people, they're going to always look for a loophole. They're going to always look for a way not to give. I call these people spiritual bums. Okay? Uh, they kind of like parasites. They always want somebody else to foot the bill. Amen. Carry the load. Now, some of y'all remember these people out doing your partying days. They never brought no liquor, but they would drink up all your liquor. Come, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> They never had no weed, but they will smoke up all your weed. Come on, somebody. <laughs> somebody getting a flashback right now. Come on, let's move on in Jesus' name. But what I'm saying is they had a very selfish spirit, amen? And not only that, there are some people, they, they, they wouldn't bring, I mean, if they would come into the house and they'd be eating and wouldn't bring you anything. Anybody remember that? They would bring just enough of them. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, my mama told us that if you ain't got enough of everybody, don't bring it in the house. In other words, you better eat it in the car. Don't come in here and don't have enough to share with everybody else. But what I'm saying is some people have a very stingy spirit, okay? And we have to be delivered from that because when we are born into this world, we are born with that selfish nature. Amen. It's mine. You, uh, a kid, right from the get-go, they'll tell you it's mine, it's mine, and they do not want to share you have to teach them how to share. You have to teach them how to be generous. And when we become born-again believers, we must be taught how to be generous. We are not generous by nature. There was a song by Shirley Caesar, and they were playing it earlier. The musicians were. It said, if you want to be blessed, pay your tithes and your offering. If you want more, then give unto the poor, and the Lord will give it back to you. Well, as we come to our book well, our text today, Malachi is telling us how to be blessed. Now, we need to understand that the church uh, isn't a building, but the church has always had a place, or God, people has always had a place together, okay? Again, the church is not a building, but God's people have always had a place together. 
For example, during the days of the patriarch, they built altars and they would call on the name of the Lord. We read about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob as they traveled to and fro and they will experience the presence of God or angel of the Lord. They will stop right there on that spot and they will designate that stone, amen, and put oil on it and it will become an altar and they will worship God and thank God for his goodness. They will thank God for his protection. They will thank God for his guidance. They will thank God for his provision. And then we see that when God delivered them from slavery down in Egypt after 400 years of bondage, amen, God formed these former slaves into a nation. And even when God formed them into a nation, God taught them tithing, amen. Now, watch this. Tithing was before the law because Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek. And then Jacob paid tithes as well. So you have tithing before the law. Then God incorporated tithing in the law. And what God did while they was traveling, when they were out there wandering for 40 years, God put the tabernacle right in the middle of the 12 tribes, okay? You had four on the east, four on the west, four on the south, and four, I mean, three on the east, three on the west, three on the north, and three on the south. So you had the 12 tribes, and right in the middle, you had the tabernacle. And this was God's way of telling them that the temple or the tabernacle was the central uh, thing in their life. It's supposed to be the center of their lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It was a symbol of God's presence, God's power, and God's provision. Later on, God had Solomon to build a temple. And the people were reminded that, amen, that the focal point for them for worship was the temple. It was God's presence. God's power and God's provision. Later on, when this temple of Solomon was destroyed and the people gathered back into the promised land, Ezra led the people to build a temple as well. It was the focal point. So the church today serves as a focal point, okay? It's supposed to be kind of like on the, the, the hub. It's kind of like the center of everything, amen? It's supposed to be the center, so to speak, because if Jesus is the center of your joy, then the church should be somewhere in the center as well. Come on, somebody. So the church should have a top priority in your life. It should be at the top of your priority list. Watch this. Even during Jesus' day, they had a temple and they had synagogues as well. And the people's lives evolved around the temple. Their lives evolved around the synagogue. While we know that the church isn't a building, but there are designated places and designated spaces where God will have his people together and to worship him. Now, if we're going to have a designated place and designated space, we need to take care of that designated place and that designated place, okay, that, which requires M-O-N-E-Y. Watch this. Perhaps no other group in America rely on the church as much as African Americans. Now, if you know our history, you know that's a fact. Because in the African American community, the church is the strongest organization that we have. It's the strongest institution that we have. You look at all the other organizations out there, the NAACP, the Urban League, and right on down the line, all the sororities, all the fraternities. The strongest organization, the strongest institution we have in the African American community is the church. Bar none. It's the strongest, it's the largest, it's the oldest, and it's the wealthiest, okay? So our lives should evolve around the church. It should be the centerpiece of our lives, amen? Watch this. The church has been the vehicle to preserve our culture, our humanity, as well as our sanity. It has sustained us through slavery and segregation. Almost all major black historical organizations well, I'm telling you about the sororities and the fraternities and the uh, NAACP and the Urban League and the historical black colleges and universities. They got their start out of the church, okay? And many of those organizations, today, they, they, they are ran by Christians, 
So we need to know our history. So I'm trying to tell you that the church is very important, okay? In fact, Jesus said, upon this rock, I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, I know a lot of people not saying amen because y'all nervous because y'all don't know what I'm going to say about money today. <laughs> y'all like, he's setting us up. Okay. All right. As we come to our text, the people were not giving tithes and offerings. Okay. So the Levites. Okay. So you had Aaron and his descendants. They were the priests. Then God designated an entire tribe to help the priests carry out their religious duties. Okay. Because the people were not paying their tithes and offerings, the priests were being neglected as well as the Levites. And the Levites had to give up their job serving around the temple and go back into the fields and harvest their crops and stuff because the people refused to bring their tithes and offerings to the storehouse. Therefore, the Levites, as well as the priests, they were neglecting their God-given responsibilities to care for the temple and for the service of worship for the people of God. Malachi, the prophet, his name means messenger, challenged them to stop neglecting God's house, and if they would stop neglecting God's house, God would bless their socks off. All right, so let's look at the text. First of all, we see the problem in verses 8 and 9. The problem here is that they had the Sunday morning stick-up going on. We asked the question, will a man rob God? Yes, apparently people will rob God because when you don't give God what you're supposed to give to him, you are robbing him. Imagine that. You get dressed up, come to the church, and then you do the Sunday morning stick-up. The problem. And then we see the charge. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me, but you ask, how do you rob me? He said, in tithes and offering. The Hebrew word for tithe literally means a tenth part. A tenth part, okay? A tenth part. That's a basic unit of measurement, okay? You got ten fingers, okay? Ten toes. A basic unit of measurement, okay? The tithe means to offer to God the first tenth of whatever God gives you. And people get into this debate about should I tithe on the gross or should I tithe on the net? Well, if you want a gross blessing, tithe on the gross. If you want a net blessing, tithe on the net. It's up to you, okay? But whatever God gives you, give 10% of that back to God. And again, Abraham offered tithe to Melchizedek. Amen. We see that in Genesis, the 14th chapter. And then later on, Moses incorporated tithing into the law. And tithing was given, amen, not because God is broke, because God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. Come on, somebody. Y'all ever read that in the, in the Psalms? God said, if I was hungry, I wouldn't ask you. He said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. He said, the cattle on a thousand hills, they all belong to me. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. You can't give God anything. Everything belongs to God. Come on, somebody. You belong to God. Whatever you drive, it belongs to God. The house that you live in, it belongs to God. The clothes that you wear belongs to God. The furniture in your house belongs to God. You can't give God anything because God owns everything. 
But tithing is to teach us to have gratitude, to tell God, thank you, God, for blessing my life. And because you've been such a huge blessing to my life, out of gratitude, I want to give something back to you to say I'm grateful. I don't want to act like a spoiled brat and be selfish with my blessings, God. I want to give back to you and be a blessing to the kingdom and a blessing to others. The New Testament, however, does not explicitly uh, teach us the principle of tithing. Probably because it was already assumed because it had been established before the law and it was established during the law. And they gave tithe during the New Testament time. And Jesus told the religious leader, paying tithe is fine, but you should also make sure you take care of the more weightier matters of the law, like love and justice and things of that nature. Watch this. Paul gives us a principle in giving, not on tithing, but it's called grace giving. Okay? Not tithing. But grace giving. Okay, the law was about tithing. Okay, that's law giving, 10%. But as you come to the New Testament, it's not about law giving, it's about grace giving. What do you mean by that, Pastor Lewis? In the Old Testament, it was taught that they give 10%. Okay, but in the New Testament, it's not about giving 10% of tithe. In the New Testament, it teaches stewardship, which means God owns 100% of everything that you have. So, again, tithing is 10%, but stewardship is 100%. So, okay, let me help you with that. A lot of people think that, okay, I have $100, I give God $10, and I can do whatever I want to with the other 90. Okay? They think that's tithing, and that's cool. But that's not what the New Testament teaches. The New Testament teaches that you give God 10% or 15% or whatever, and God is still concerned about the 85% and the 90% and what you do with it. Because even with the 80% or the 90% or the 85%, you have to give an account to God for how you use that too. In other words, you don't give God a certain percentage and you're free to do whatever you want to with the rest of it. God is concerned about all the funds that you have and what you do with those funds. Now, the New Testament measure forgiven is summed up in first corinthians 16 2 it says on the first day of every week each of you should set aside a sum of money and keep it with his income saving it up so that when i come no collection will have to be made in other words paul is saying i'm coming your way and i'm coming on the first day of the week that's sunday okay <clears throat> now each of you which means everybody <clears throat> i know i'm being deep right there first day of the week each of you should set aside a sum of money. Everybody should set aside a sum of money, watch this, and keep him with his income. This is called fair share giving. You don't give based upon my income. You give based upon your income. If God bless you with $100, you set aside your $10. Are you with me? If God bless you with $10,000, you set aside your $1,000. Are you with me? Or whatever the case may be, you set aside 10% of what God has given you, okay? He says, saving it up, okay? So that when I come, we won't have to take up no special offering. Your money has already been designated and set aside. Let me help you here. In other words, when you pay your monthly bills, okay, you got your book with all the bills on your computer, the first thing you do at the top of the list, you pay God. See, a lot of people think we're supposed to give God the leftovers. In, in other words, after I pay all my bills and take care of all the things I want to do, whatever I, I have left, I give that to God. That's, that's, that's not tithing. That's called tipping. You're giving God the leftovers. But I'm saying that as a believer, God goes at the top. You give God the first 10%, then you take care of all the other stuff. 
And if you cannot afford to give God the top 10%, you may be living too high. You may be living too high. Okay? I say you may be living too high if you can't pay God. So the Bible teaches us that we need to give on a regular basis. We need to be inclusive in our giving, which means everybody. It needs to be systematic, okay? Not we give one month, we skip four months. It needs to be systematic, and then it's proportionate, okay? Now, everybody should give their fair share. Put up the next slide with uh, Sister Ida Hopper, if you guys have it back there. I recently did her funeral a couple of weeks ago, and I want to use her as an illustration. Y'all remember the Promised Land campaign? that we were going to pay off the building in 2017. We got here in 2007. The church was started in 1987. Uh, the mortgage payment was $10,400 a month, okay? And we were coming up to the 40th church anniversary, and I said to the church, we've been in the wilderness long enough. It's time to come out of the wilderness. It's time for us to pay off this building. Now, in addition to the $10,400 we had to pay every month, we need to raise additional $200,000 in order to pay the mortgage off for that church anniversary. How many of y'all remember that? <clears throat> okay. So, I said that to the congregation. We need to raise $200,000. Okay. And, and I said that. You know how sometimes you, you operate it in the prophetic and you say something? <laughs> Then after the service, like, man, I sure hope that was God. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you know that every now and then you can't miss God? It was you, not really God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Has everybody, anybody ever been there, done that? Okay, okay. So, so anyway, so I said that, and I believe God put that in my heart. He really did put that in my heart. In fact, uh, Brother Homer told me that, Pastor Lewis, y'all going to raise more than $200,000, and we did. But here's, here's my point. I said that. She called me. Sister Hopper called me. Now, keep in mind, Sister Hopper is not a leader in the church. She holds no positions. She holds no titles. And I've never seen any. What, I, I don't know what she drives. I don't know what she lives. I don't know anything about her other than she comes to church and she loves the Lord. Okay? But anyway, she called me and said, Pastor Lewis, when will you be at the church? And I told her I will be at the church on Tuesday, whatever the case may be. And she said, I want to meet you. I want to give you something. And Sister Hopper was the first person to give towards the Promised Land campaign. She met me that morning with a cashier check for $1,000. And I said to myself, I think this is going to work. <laughs> that was the Lord. Amen. And I said that to say this. It was confirmation. And this is the picture that she took when we had the gala, when we had the banquet, the celebration after we paid off the mortgage, amen, paid off the bill and burnt the mortgage. This is the picture that she took, amen, amen. So what I'm saying is you just give your fair share. We don't know what you make, but God knows what you make, and God knows what you're able to do. And when you give sacrificially and when you give cheerfully, God will meet you at the point of your need. God is going to make sure that you have everything that you need. But my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But you have to put him to the test. You have to test God. you got to step out in faith. Come on, somebody. you got to trust God. Amen. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thy own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. And it goes on to talk about giving the first fruit and how God going to bless your vines. Amen. So we see, first of all, the charge. Then we see the curse. You are under curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. Now, curse. God is saying he's going to withhold the rain, the crops will fail, 
and their animals will suffer as well. God controls all things, including the weather. Think about it. God is saying your crop's going to fail. Now, how can God say that unless he's a meteorologist? God is saying, listen, I control the rain. I control the wind. I control the sun. I control everything under my jurisdiction because I'm God. And when you disobey me, I set it up so you won't prosper. Mm. Watch this. In an agricultural society, water was like liquid gold. They were hurting themselves by not obeying God. Watch this. Nothing good comes from disobedience. I mean, that's... <laughs> we can give the benediction right there. Nothing good comes from disobeying God. Are you with me? Are you with me? Watch this. Your level of spiritual seriousness and development will always show up in your checkbook. This is, this is Tony Evans speaking now. Let me, let me, okay, let me say that again. Your level of spiritual seriousness and development will always show up in your checkbook. It will also show up on your calendar too. He said, statistics typically report that the average local church is supported by 20% of its members. Called the Pareto Principle. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. Are you with me? So he was saying 20%, and when I look at the giving list, about 20% of the membership, they are carrying the load. Are you with me? 20% of the membership carrying the load, but only 3% are actually giving God 10%. Let me read this again. Statistics typically reports that the average church, the average local church is supported by 20% of its members, and that the average Christian gives less than 3% of his or her income. Many Christians then suffer from what I call cirrhosis of the giver. <laughs> listen, well, stick with me. Watch, listen, and while general paralysis sets in when reach, reaching for the wallet or the purse to support the ministry of the church, the disease or the general paralysis disappears at the mall. At the movies and at the restaurants. What's it? And he went on to say, we cannot accomplish kingdom work when we rob God. Now, now, now watch this. First of all, we, we live under a democracy and not a theocracy. If you take all the tithes in the Old Testament, it would be more than 10%. 10% was just a basic unit. Of giving when we talk about tithing. But if you add all the different tithings up that they were required to give on the special days and things of that nature, it would be more like 30%. Now watch this. Now we don't ask for 30% because we're under democracy and you pay taxes. That's why Jesus said you render unto Caesar the things that be Caesar and unto God the things that be God. So when you pay your federal income taxes and your state income taxes and social security and stuff, you're giving Caesar's heels. And then you're supposed to bring that other 10% and give it to Christ. Watch this. Since Caesar don't trust you, <laughs> they get it out the top. Before you see it, Caesar gets his. Come on, somebody. And if you didn't give Caesar enough during the year, Caesar come back and say, you owe us some more money. Come on, somebody. And Caesar come get you. They call the IRS. Come on, somebody. See, but God said, you know what? I'm not going to take it from you. God said, I'm going to trust you with it. 
because you love me so much. Because I saved your soul. Your name written down in the Lamb's book of life. You're on your way to heaven. Come on, somebody. And you know everything that you have belongs to me. I just believe if I give it to you, you'll bring it back to me. That's it. So we need to live to learn to live by, I got to hurry up here. We got to learn to live by what I call the 80-10-10 rule. Y'all ever heard that, the 80-10-10 rule? Here's the 80-10-10 rule. You live on 80%, you give God 10%, and you save 10%, or invest 10%. If you give God the first 10%, he'll make the 90% go further than the 100% if you try to keep it. I'm going to drop some wisdom keys real quick, and then I'm going on to my next point. I got to wrap this thing up. Wisdom key number one, the seed that leaves your hand never leaves your life. It enters into your future where it multiplies. That's profound. That particular wisdom key for Mike Burdock changed my whole life. L- listen to it again. The seed that leaves your life or leaves your hand never leaves your life. Again, the seed that leaves your hand, it never leaves your life. It enters into your future where it multiplies. You gave one seed here, but when it gets into your future, 10, 100, 1,000, whatever the case may be. So it never leaves your life. Amen. It leaves your hand, but never your life. It just enters into your future where it multiplies. You gave back here, but when you get into your future, guess what? It not multiplied on you. You got a harvest waiting on you. Watch this. Something has to leave earth before something leaves heaven. God won't open his hand till you open his hand, and his hand is bigger than your hand. You can't be God-given because he's the original giver. Giving is the cure to greed. Giving is the antidote to materialism. Giving is the highest form of living, and it's better to give than to receive. Now, here's the promise, the tithe. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. The tithe were the gifts that the Lord gave, uh, that the people gave to the Lord, and it required by the law, okay? There were three. Two that were annual and one that came every three years, okay? The tithe supported the priests and the Levites, also the widows and the orphans and the foreigners, okay? So the people were bringing their tithes to the Levites. The Levites were tied to the priests, okay? Now, the storehouse, that's the church. It literally had rooms, okay? They called the storehouse, but in the storehouse, they had rooms in the temple to store the tithes of crops and animals brought by the people. In other words, you would bring your produce, like your fruits, your vegetables. Uh, you would bring your animals, whatever the case may be. And if you don't want to transfer animals, what you could do, you could exchange the animals, sell the animals, and get money in exchange for the animal, and bring the money. But if you exchange the animal for money, you had to add 20% to it so God would get short change. Okay. So today, we don't have a temple, but you bring your money to the church so we can pay the staff, we can pay the lights. Come on. We can pay AC. We can pay to clean the building and all the other things that we do. Are you with me? Okay. This is not going over well. All right. (laughs) <laughs> yes, I'm gonna need a glass of Kool-Aid after this. Okay, so that's the time. Now here's the test. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Okay. Now, contrary to the normal biblical pattern, the people were invited to put God to the test. God said, Test me. Put me to the test. Put God's character or word to the test. God promised to bless those who obey him. In other words, obedience brings blessings while disobedience brings curses. If you read Deuteronomy, the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 14, nothing but blessings. But watch this. But God said, if you disobey me, 
He spent 14 verses saying, this is what happened if you obey me. These are the blessings coming your way. But he said, if you disobey me, he spent from verse 15 all the way to verse 68 with curses. Think about that. The chapter, Deuteronomy 28, 68 verses. God spent 14 verses saying, if you obey me, this is what I'm going to do for you. 14 verses. Then he said, if you disobey me, this is all the bad stuff going to happen to you. From verse 15 all the way to 68. You know what God's saying? Don't play with me. He put all those verses to say, don't play with me. I'm God. Don't play with me. Okay? <clears throat> Listen, our blessings are proportionate to our faith and obedience. Okay? Our belief determines our behavior. Those who don't give, listen to me, you may not agree with this, but your belief determines your behavior. Those who don't give, don't believe it's beneficial or a blessing to give. It's just that simple. If you don't give, it's because you don't believe it's beneficial or it's a blessing to give. Because if you believe it was beneficial and a blessing to give, you will be given. But since you don't believe that, you don't give. You Listen, let me help you. You only believe what you do. What you don't do, you don't believe. It's just that simple, okay? So what you do, you believe. What you don't do, you don't believe, okay? It's just that simple. All right, moving right along here. Watch this. Now, I don't know about you, but the Bible said, given it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall be given to your bosom. I don't know about you, but if, if you gave me $100 right now, I guarantee you I would have a problem giving you 10 back. Anybody want to put me to the test? Bring me $100, see what I give you 10. I give you 20 back. Come here. Is there anybody in the house would like to put it to the test? Bring me $100 right now, and I give you 20 back. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, then, then you have to watch out for people who try to manipulate these passages, what I call prosperity preachers. They try to misuse text and saying that, you know, they, they treat the church as it's the uh, casino. But God is, is not a slot machine. The church is not a slot machine. Okay? <clears throat> y'all remember him, don't y'all? You can't lose with the stuff I use. <laughs> yeah. But then what, what is a blessing? He said he, he will bless us. Blessing means that you're going to be able to experience and enjoy the goodness of God in your life. That's what it means to be blessed. It's not always money, but you'll be able to experience and enjoy the goodness of God in your life. After all, you can have money and not be blessed. You can have stuff and not be blessed. Come on, somebody, but God will bless you, amen, with joy and peace so that you can enjoy the stuff that you have. People have cars. They don't enjoy them. Come on, somebody. They got so many cars, they don't know what to do with them, but they don't enjoy it. People got big houses, but they don't enjoy the house that they're living in. Come on. God wants to give you joy and peace so that you can enjoy the blessing lessons that he was seeing your way. Are you with me? God will give you contentment and fulfillment with the blessings that he will give you. And we just keep seeing, like I said, not too long ago, my heart goes out to Regina King's uh, son, only son, amen, committed suicide. Then we just heard about uh, Miss America, Miss USA, uh, lawyer, beautiful woman, beautiful, everything. I mean, had everything going for her. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people, they look good, they drive good, they smell good, they got a good house, got a good job, good income, but they're not happy. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling you, only God can make you happy. Happiness and fulfillment comes from God, not by the stuff that you have. So stop being uh, worshiper of uh, idol stuff or material stuff and make sure your relationship with God is right. I don't know about you, but if I got God in my life, I can ride a 10-speed. I can have a used car. Come on, somebody. I don't have to live 
live in no big house on the hill. I can live in the project. I can live in a trailer. I can live in an apartment as long as God is in the house. All right, let me hurry up. I got to wrap this up. Run out of time. All right, now, last one, protection. Then he says, your protection, verse 11, 12. First of all, your insurance. God said, I will prevert, uh, prevent, rather, excuse me, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not catch their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Watch this. God is saying that if you obey me, I control the weather, but not only do I control the weather, I control the insects. I'll prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not catch their fruits, says the Lord Almighty to this time. If we read Haggai, Haggai the first chapter, and verse 6, you know what the Bible says? They had the same problem, and the prophet had to tell them the same thing. You know what he said? He said, because you're not obeying me, he said, you go to work for wages, but it's not doing you any good because it got holes in your pockets. Okay, here's the translation. God said, okay, since you're going to disobey me, and you got more sense, think you got more sense than me, and you're going to keep my money? God said, I tell you what, since you won't give it to the church, I'll make sure you get it, they'll get it from you at the doctor's office. The auto mechanic shop. The plumber. The electrician. Rip you off at the store. You'd miss the sale. Come on. <laughs> got another rotten tooth you got to fix. Come on. I'm just saying, God, listen, God's going to get his money. You can either pay it here or pay it somewhere else. But God said, I'm going to get your money. Somebody said, if you don't pay your tithe, God will take it out of your hide. All right. Your insurance. And then watch this. Your influence. Then because you obey me, then I'm going to bless you. You're going to have influence. Watch. The nation of the world going to see how you bless and they're going to be jealous because you got so much stuff. All right. Y'all ain't hear nothing I said. Y'all move the pulpit. Move the pulpit. Give me my communion. Okay, now let's, let's do an illustration here. Yeah, now leave that. I want that table to stay. That community table, let that stay. Now, we got a demonstration here. Some people can't see the light. So I'm going to try to help you today. All right. We got 10... 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 100. All right. Now, God is saying, I bless you with all this stuff. Are we in agreement that everything that we have, it came from God? Are you with me? All of this came from God. God said, all right, you got 10 carrots. All I ask for, 10 kiwis. I ask for, one avocado. Ten apples, one. Cucumbers, lemons, oranges, very good. Good class. Bananas, tomatoes, potatoes. Look at that. All of it came from God, but God said, I don't want all of it. I want you to keep everything except for this little bit right here. I want to keep this. 
I want you to give this to me. But when you disobedient, God said, all I ask for one banana, but you said, no, I can't pay tithes. You took it back. I want you to pay tithes. 10%, no, God, I don't want to give you that much. So you took it back. I want one potato. No, Lord, I ain't giving you no one potato. You take it back. One kiwi. No, Lord, that's too much for you. One carrot. No, Lord, that's too much for you. One lemon. No, Lord, that's too much for you. One tomato. No, Lord, that's too much. One orange. That's too much, Lord. One avocado. No, Lord, I can't do that. We got a seed in the middle. Mess around, cut my hand up here. <laughs> One apple, no, Lord. That's what it means to rob God. That's a picture. That's what it looks like. That's what a thief looks like. That God asked you for one single thing, but you couldn't give God the one single thing. You cut it in half and kept it for yourself. And this is what God is saying. Because you cut it in half, he said, you messed up your seed. Because if you're going to get a harvest, I need a whole seed. The reason you ain't getting no harvest is because you keep cutting up your seed and your seed can't go in the ground and grow you no harvest because you keep cutting your blessings off. God said, stop robbing me. Stop cutting your blessings off. Give me the whole tithe, the whole thing, not just part of it. Give me the, all of it. Give me the whole thing, what I asked for, put it all over here, and you trust me to supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I'll bless your socks off when you learn how to obey me and walk in obedience. Can you see me now? Can you hear me now? Do you get the visual aid? God said, I gave you all this. How dare you hold back on me with this little bit of stuff? Why are you tripping over this little bit of stuff? Don't you know if I bless you with all this, I can bless you again with more because I'm the God that's more than enough. I'm El Shaddai. I'm Jehovah Jireh. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. And they that dwell therein, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. The cattle on the thousand hills, they belong to me. Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or how dare you rob me after all my goodness how I bless you with a job bless you with help bless you with a spouse bless you with children come on somebody bless you with a house food on your table clothes to wear and how dare you cheat me uh, watch this watch this and I'll wrap it up here because we got communion you know what God said he said Amos after you get through showing them this demonstration and they don't get it on this table. He said, come down here and show them this table. He said, if you're not convinced with this table, he said, show them this table. Tell them that I died one Friday. Jesus went to Calvary. 
to save a wretch like me and you. They hung him high, they stressed him wide, and he hung his head, and for me he died. But that's not how the story is. Three days later, he rose again. If this doesn't motivate you to give, he's at this table, it's not enough to get you in the heaven of giving. Tell him about this table, how I died for him on a Friday, but I didn't say dead, but I had it Sunday morning. I got it with all power in heaven and earth in my hand. What more can I do? What more can I give? For God so loved the world that he gave us heaven's best, his only begotten son. But who shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What more can I do for him? What more can I give? What else can I say? What else can I do? What else do you need? How much more have we got to do this? This table ought to motivate you to give. If that's not enough, that table, show enough ought to motivate you. While you're standing, because I feel like preaching right there. But while you're standing, we're going to extend the invitation. You can come to my left if you need prayer. You can come to my right if you want to give your life to Christ or unite with this church family. We ask that you be obedient to the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. I feel a praise break in the house. Anybody want to celebrate Jesus? Anybody thank God for their blessings? Communion. To my left. Okay, guys. To my left. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray this message has encouraged your heart and renewed your spirit. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with everyone you know. If you would like to help support the ministry, spread the gospel, and assist in funding community service projects at Rising Star, visit our website at www.risingstarbaptist.org and click the yellow donate button or zell us at finance at risingstarbaptist.org or mail in your love offering at Rising Star Missionary Baptist Church, 2800 East 36th Street, Tucson, Arizona, 85713. We look forward to you tuning in again. Remember, Rising Star Baptist is a local church with a global reach. You're welcome here. You're welcome.